Greetings, friends! Welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. Ooh. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by Linda. No, just kidding. It's my co-host. Alex Dandino. My name's not Linda. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great reference to what we're about to talk about <laughs> after some business. All right, guys, uh, this month has been a sojourn into the abyss of horror. We thank you guys so much for uh, diving in and doing 31 pods in 31 days with us. It's been a lot. You guys have been amazing. We'd like to ask you one more favor. Please take a second right now, right now. Leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show, especially if that happens to be Apple Podcast app. It helps us out enormously. For those of you who have done it, we see you. Thank you. Also, please uh, retweet, share, make a story on Instagram, whatever, uh, with some links to the episodes that we've been sharing on our socials on your socials. Uh, bring your friends along to the parties, guys. That's another easy way to help us out. Uh, you can reach out to us on social media anytime. We love to hear from you with your suggestions, movies to cover, new, old, double features, guest hosts, month theme, anything. You can also email the show filmalchemistpod at gmail.com uh as you guys know every december we stuff your stockings all listener selections uh we get as many as we can we've never been able to get them all done yet i bet this year will be the same so what we do is you guys send us suggestions we rank them in order and do as many as we can so get in now we're starting to get some really cool ones um so come legit let's do this Great. you're gonna um, you're gonna you tack know, us up for another 31 days of this is what's gonna happen i i don't know that my heart would survive but maybe it would <laughs> i don't know we're just gonna do a pod every day for the rest of our lives it's like a twilight zone episode all right guys as you know next month november the thanksgiving month uh the pod is bringing the beef uh we're doing all beefcake manly movies uh so be prepared for that next month psyched i think that's it that's all the business right oh follow our youtube channel nerd alchemist we have some fun new stuff going up we're going to start having some short films that i've been working on with a couple amigos of mine a couple other uh comedic things coming up uh maybe some other fun stuff very so, exciting stuff. nerd alchemist on youtube all right man that's enough business um tonight we are here to return to the cabin, this time with more money, more crew. More fun. <laughs> more fun. A lot more fun. Um, Shocking Alex, tonight we're discussing Evil Dead 2. Dead by Dawn. It's, uh, Evil Dead 2, sorry. Dead by Dawn. Um, this has been one of those things that me and my horror movie buddies have debated ad nauseum. Um, Evil Dead versus Evil Dead 2. I've always said I was more of an Evil Dead guy. Because it actually plays as a horror film. Mm -hmm. I think maybe today that argument is straw man nonsense. I quite enjoyed Evil Dead 2. And everyone who listens to the show knows that I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of throwing in, you know, sacks full of yucks in the middle of my horror films. I like to keep it pretty <laughs> somber and, you know, stay, stay in the mode. Sure. But this movie, there's something just fucking magical about it man what what are your opening thoughts on evil dead 2 i mean i agree uh I, I mean i love i love the evil dead series in general like i think these movies are really entertaining beyond anything else but 
I do see them like the first one. I yes, like is just more of a straight horror film. This one is like yeah, the th- like Marx Brothers directed a horror movie, which you know yeah, you're gonna throw in some yucks <laughs> here and there. I, look, yeah, we kind of went from punk rock to Weird Al. Yeah, and I'm fine with that to be honest with you. And I think that that's sort of it's funny like because even today. Like you, you, you posted this actually today. It was this uh, great meme that came out, which was, uh, it was like Newman. Or it was uh, not Newman, but in the movie, it's uh, Nedry and uh, <laughs> yeah, the right. fucking Dodson guy. But it's like nobody cares. Like you can like what you like. That's the best part <laughs> about this movie is you can kind of pick out the pieces you like the most, right. and you don't necessarily have to like the whole movie. But there are parts. Is like me personally, there are parts of this movie that I fucking die laughing. We'll talk about yes. one of my it has and I said this last yesterday has one of my all-time favorite gags in a movie ever. Like it is absolutely wonderful. But ultimately for me, Evil Dead 2 is not as good as The Evil Dead for me personally, but yeah. It still is um it's still sort of just this thing on its own that works so well on its own that there's kind of like no comparison for me personally. Yeah, well, it's this, it's a strange tonal shift. It essentially, he goes back, and this is one of the wild things. He goes back and he says, I'd like to remake that movie. Yeah. But it's kind of a Force Awakens remake, right? Where it is almost beat for beat a recreation of the film we watched. Yeah. But it's also an advancement because the movie starts with this wild ash is being flown through the trees. Ah. In this Wonderland, like, down the rabbit hole moment, right? right? Smashed in. Ash awakens. Ah, now he's demonic. There's that amazing scene where he's shifting, you know, as the sun's coming up. He sees the bridge, which now looks more cartoonishly gnarled. Yeah. And the sun, or the, the moon is rising behind him. The sun, it's just this, the style is so amped up and heightened. Because we talked about, I feel like a lot of what I thought evil dead was is actually in this movie it's evil dead too the first one has a lot more is a lot more stiff than you remember right it's a yeah. lot of set on sticks right you're just kind of like there's wild shit happening but yeah. the camera itself's kind of still this one is Raimi unhinged right totally and i think the weird thing is that what we didn't realize is that he was going to be doing a buster keaton movie big time but the Big difference time. between this and even something like Army of Darkness is I don't think the horror subsides that much. No, I don't think so. Either. I think there's still really excellent moments of actual horror. I agree. And, and so th- to me, that's where because that's the thing I if I'm watching any horror movie, right, I'm with you. I don't think the argument that a horror movie, oh, it's not scary to me. It's just one of those sack of shit things to say, right? <laughs> there are movies that are fucking horrifying that aren't horror movies, right? It's a and wonderful not all life. horror movies have to make times. you. Yeah, they don't, you don't have to jump out of your fucking undies every time yeah. you know a monster's coming. It should make you sit and feel dread. And oh man, what am I doing? It's it's one of those. I like horror movies that just let me ponder, you know, the dark depths. And, and Evil Dead accomplishes that, mm-hmm. just in a a little bit zanier way. It's a little. Right? It's look. There are aspects of this movie that are going to be slapsticky, but like, and I think this is the thing that Sam Raimi knows better than anyone particularly because this movie was made and his legacy in its own right is that everybody's going to find something horrifying about what's happening it doesn't matter necessarily right. to scare the shit out of you it's 
the point is is that something about this is unsettling and i think that's the thing i like the most about evil dead 2 is that it's unsettling it's not that it's just balls out scary it's that you're just like why wouldn't you just leave like the whole time you're like ash find some way to get the fuck out of here who cares oh my god jump off the ravine what is wrong with you and like the whole time you're just like but i'm so frivolous i'm i'm so like frivolously and at the same time engrossly <laughs> entertained by what's going on like everything about this movie beat by beat works for me and there's aspects of this movie that even watching it this time I was like i should be turning this off right now there's no possible way i should be enjoying watching ash smash you know uh dinnerware over his head i'm like this is so corny and but like it just works on you man that's like the best part about the movie yeah, this one starts off, right? Well, it's so different because, again, the opening is a retelling. Yeah. And it shows the first scene this time, instead of the, the, the first Evil Dead plays very much like an actual horror film, right? Here are real people, if not two-dimensional kind of stereotypes of people. Right. They're coming up to a cabin, right? This one starts off, we have this amazing shot flying out of a tunnel. The bridge looks goofier. Mm-hmm. I believe what they say is just, I hope this guy doesn't come back. Yeah. Like, that's just the thing they add. I was like, what the fuck? I'm like, they didn't even rent this place. They're just like, ah, let's pull over and fuck. (laughs) It's just like, it's fucking strange. Like, in this one, something I always forget is the the Necra Comic Con and the knife and the tape player are just like out there. They're just like out in the room, like decor. So this movie sets up at the start. It's almost giving us the audience this parallel multiverse thing, right? Yeah. That perhaps Ash, when he gets caught at the start of that movie and at the end of the last one, maybe now this is some other shit we're getting into, right? Because we see the moment of transition, right? So they run us back through the new, there's a new Linda, right? The other people aren't there. So we're running through and changing integral elements of the first one and then once he takes off and flies through the trees right Mm -hmm. it's almost telling us this is that there's something more going on so it's a really clever way to relaunch into because this is the thing i think what you end with the two or the three of these especially right is by part three it just feels like sam raimi doesn't want to make a horror movie anymore yeah but he loves horror imagery you know, and this is kind of that perfect in-between ground. Yeah, I think when you get to Army of Darkness, you're seeing someone who's just sort of flexing a muscle at that point, mm-hmm. but making a completely different movie. Like, he's making a movie that he knows the origins of, but it's mm-hmm. a fucking action-adventure a fucking action adventure movie. Like, there's nothing about it that feels... There's horror elements stuffed into this action-adventure movie. For me... Like, I think the thing that I love was because honestly, at the beginning of this movie, I sat there and I was like, is this the same Ash or is this like a different universe Ash? Because honestly, like he's describing the cabin to lose like it's pretty remote. And I'm like, are you taking this girl to this cabin that you like totally had to murder somebody in before? Like that he didn't rent, apparently, and is worried an archaeologist might. Well, this one, too, because he shows up and he's all of this false false bravado, right? Where he's like. You want some champagne? I'm a man and you're a woman. And you're like, <laughs> who is this fucking guy? Right. Because right. in the first one, he was this 
terrified man who became the final girl, essentially. Mm hmm. And, you know, like was reluctant when when first asked into action with the axe, he doesn't do it. Right. Right. In this one, he starts off in a place much more full of bravado. Mm -hmm. And he's been infested himself by the the evil dead, as it were. Right. Right. So there's a lot of fun stuff. But it's just it, that opening scene to me is really fun because it's almost just Raimi flexing. Right. So the scene when he he cuts Linda's head off is just shot so much more fun. Right. Yeah. The head's rolling around. They get buried, you know, cramming the cross, the, the setup, establishing yeah. shot of the cabin behind that. It's just really beautiful work. And then as we continue on, the the Linda makeup in this is the, – the makeup level in this movie has ascended yeah. enormously. Yeah. That's so, the fucking budget right there. So that's what I mean, though, right? Like, there's still the part where he sees Linda. He's fighting Linda, right? She starts biting his hand. He puts her neck in a vice. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of the microcosm of the movie to me. Linda's sitting there in the vice, and he goes for the chainsaw. Er, there's like a chalk outline of where a chainsaw right. should be. Which, again, is like super slapsticky, which is great. Well, it also plays on is this some kind of fucking alternate dimension thing, right? Because uh -huh. he's already would have had it or should. Anyways, doesn't matter. Because he knew it was there, and then it wasn't. So that's like a trippy multiverse theory thing. So her body runs in wielding the chainsaw. Mm -hmm. That's pretty fucking scary. Even when it starts chainsawing itself, ah, 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 you're like, all right, a lot of blood. I get it. You start losing interest pretty fast. You're like, wow, this is a gnarly visual. Right. All right. Like, huh, I had my laugh. But then we cut back to the vice and Linda goes human head again. In that moment, right? Again, it's a recreated beat that they've already shown us they do a couple times. But those little moments, right, that bring us back into, holy fucking shit, man. Imagine your wife saying loving nothings to you with her head in a fucking vice and a bloody stuff. Horrifying. <laughs> like that, yeah. I think that's the, that's again, like, that's the, the tightrope walk Raimi does through this entire movie is like, how often can you interject true, like, unsettling terror into a situation well okay you're gonna have like this weird like you're gonna have this woman's disembodied head bitching at him the whole time telling him he's gonna like they're gonna eat your soul and shit then her body's gonna come in like there's a lot of like really kind of fun entertaining gore uh shit that's happening and then you cut to that and that i think is the really fascinating thing about evil dead too is you have all these absolutely bonkers Buster Keaton moments punctuated specifically by what I would consider really unsettling horror like that, like that, like that's the sure. kind of thing that that's the kind of thing that brings you back to reality. And you're like, Oh wait, this is supposed to be kind of a horror movie in a way. That's like, like I said before, just unsettling in a lot. Yeah. Well, this is the thing is you, you already made evil dead, right? It's already one of these. It's already probably becoming a cult classic at this time, even. So you already have the, here is the scary demons in the wood, this, that, and the other. So to redo that movie, I don't know what the point is. What I think is kind of fun is that this one, the cartoonishness, I think, is what we settle on because you're like, look how funny and goofy this is. Like you said, Ash smashing his face with the plates. Yeah. You know, dancing with the Pixar lamp from hell. You know, those are funny just bruce campbell moments he right. he finds what he's really good at in this movie right right 
which is he looks like he could be one of these action everyman like Bruce Willis style, but he just has this goofy lair, right? He's a man who knows he's stuck in a cartoon. Yeah. And Bruce Campbell becomes perfect for that in this series. But what I think it does, the more you make it goofy, if you bring it back, though, to those awesome little touchstones, is it actually gives you this this deepening psychological trauma. Right. That who knows what this guy's saying. So, right, like when someone gets pulled into the basement and next thing you know, it's just an absolute fucking geyser of blood, right? Yeah. Or the first time we see that, he shoots his own hand. Yeah. In one hand, it is just this geyser of blood. This is just a guy coping with the fact that he's just killed. Well, one person, if you believe this is the first time he's been there or, you know, five people, something <laughs> like that. So, you know, a man who was just through insanity driven to chainsaw his own hand off. Yeah. So I think that's the thing that that works on a stealth level for Evil Dead is that while it is playing more comedic. Mm hmm. The underlying nature of what is happening, right? The fact that this hole in reality may have been opened by this weird couple. Um, they're downstairs. His daughter shows up. And once they get there, then we essentially go back and redo the major moments of Evil Dead 1. Right. But that scene where Ash is just by himself in the house becomes this really just spectacular run through a funhouse mirror with a man who's absolutely at his wits end. Yeah. Right? You don't even feel like he's fighting for survival, but to escape. Because I'd forgotten how much evil uh, or haunted house this played at, at the opening. Yeah, I mean, there's so much of this movie. Like, I'll talk about this now. Like, my favorite scene in a lot of movies, particularly, is the laughing scene. Like... And I'll tell you, the, distinctly my favorite creature effect of any any time, one of my favorite special effects ever, is the laughing deer's head. I have absolutely no idea why. Could not tell you. Yep. It makes absolutely no sense. It's actually a very simple effect. That bit is so fucking funny to me, though. Because, quite frankly, like it, it levels up the... It's not just about like absurdity, like, oh, it the terror of knowing like you're not insane. Like that's, I think the really important thing about this. And that's the thing that I think is more entertaining and more terrifying also about evil dead too, is that Ash is not going insane. These things are actually happening to him. So he has to sit there Maybe. and address that by thinking he's going insane. And that's what this like whole, the whole laughing scene and that fucking dumb deer's head, which is hilarious. <laughs> Well, that scene is great because essentially you get this Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, you get this Beauty and the Beast moment, right? Where, oh, all the, you know, books and everything's alive and laughing with them. Mm -hmm. But it's actually, it's wild because it is laughing, but then it ends in a, a barbaric howl, right? Yes. Him just, ah, he's kind of losing his mind, right? Almost like on the verge of tears. And the reason it ends is because that's when the actual people bang on the door and interrupt this this game, right? And in that moment, it is strange because it is Ash and the demonic spirits somewhat both acknowledging the arbitrary nature of what's happening. Yes. The, hey, you just showed up at a place you didn't rent to bang. <laughs> and, you know, we were floating around the woods and you press play. So I guess now we're adversaries. Right. And it's almost they both are just laughing at the fucking absurd nature of yeah. this, right? 
that's the best and part it's, about it's the a movie. really odd moment but again once he starts like you can tell he's laughing and then it it breaks into that yeah. oh my fucking god he's about to all the way be done right i think that's really awesome it's it really cool it's... and then it sets up when the four new normals walk in. well normals <laughs> when the four normies walk in then but, you begin to question how much of any of this has actually occurred, right? Which, so there's a little window there, too, where where we are resetting our POV. Right, which, by the way, I have to admit this. I'm so glad we watch these movies and rewatch movies like this because I'll fully cop to the fact that I had completely forgotten that the other two, the other, what we, that couple, like the hillbilly couple, was in the actual movie. All I would remember was the I had daughter. forgotten that that was potentially his lover because she looks like every good-looking college girl in a 80s horror movie yeah, I, and how the fuck those two started dating that should have been its own movie just absolutely they gave her the nice canadian tuxedo to be like yeah that explains it that's why she's got a guy with those teeth and that hair and those overalls right. that amount of sweat that, of course that, you would be with him and you're that's like one of those things what? where you're like oh of course that all checks out like there's just so much well, about right. that that still doesn't add up to me but again well the truest totally moment forgot. in the film is when that guy's like bobby joe and he's like we got to go out in the woods and confront hell an alternate universe undead because that is my that is my peak that is the highest i will climb on the uh the fuck charts <laughs> right so he's just like get out there i'll kill everyone to get one more whap <laughs> like that absolutely <laughs> checks out and makes sense in this movie yeah like i i really do appreciate that everybody does sort of stick to their guns as far as things that they absolutely are capable of that is really entertaining also about this movie is like <laughs> i and it's weird because I, I think maybe it's because bruce campbell looks the way he does but everything bruce campbell does in this movie any other actor like imagine like any other handsome decent looking actor from the time doing the bits he does but because he has that face and because he has that kind of like sort of just like slapsticky quality to the way he operates everyone else would look like a fucking idiot and you wouldn't buy it for a second but because bruce campbell is bruce campbell he sells the fact that not only is ash not crazy ash is literally having to address what's happening in the world like his reactions to everything like he has to be completely reactionary on a regular basis throughout the movie and that to me is one of those things that can get really tedious and terrible in these kinds of movies because we've seen i mean this whole month we've seen occasionally people that are just like literally reacting every five minutes to things that are happening to them what i mm -hmm. love about this movie is that ash is reacting to things that are happening to him and all of them feel like man of course he's not going to know what to do because it can come from any direction and that's something we talked about yesterday which is just like you never know that's the real fear of the evil dead so to speak is that it is just like a mist in the woods it is just this unseen force that pushes you and tries to drown you in a puddle uh mm. before it's before daybreak like it's these kinds of things that make the movie still scary while yeah. it like while sort of all these other influences of comedy coming into the movie that shouldn't work on a regular shouldn't work in a regular horror movie at all but because yeah. of the camera angles because of the camera work and because of the way that 
Bruce Campbell not only acts, but also the way Ash is written in general. Everything feels authentic when a lot of it shouldn't at all. And that's, to me, like probably the most impressive Yeah, part well, then they movie. have that, that break, too, right? Yeah, so, yeah, I agree with all that. And once they have that break, right, once we snap into the others are here, they're going to throw them in the basement, right? Yeah. They throw them in. They play the tape. Now we've restarted their story. Ah, mommy's in the basement. Mm -hmm. There's a great moment when Ash looks like he's running away, right? Like, of course you would. He's like, this isn't my movie anymore. There's four new fuckers here. They press the tape. I'm getting the fuck out of here. And they add that really cool new element to the plot, too, which kind of supports a pocket multiverse thing, too, which is, right. uh, you know, Cletus or whatever his name is. That trail we done came in on ain't there no more. So right. you get this sense of there was no escape anyways, right? This is the absurd game we've been led to believe. So Ash, they think he's running away. When he comes back with the axe, I think that's when the movie resets him, right? And now mm -hmm. he has become... He, he is working on his John McClane moment, right? This is, I am the normal man who now is going to be this this creature of action, right? Just goes straight into attacking. Let's lock mama in the basement. Uh, just fucking axe murders that lady's boyfriend in front of him. Yeah. And next thing you know, it's I'm cutting off chainsaws. I'm getting a chainsaw hand. I'm going to, you know, get a sawed off. Here I am. And then by the end of the movie, every time he sees the demon, he's like, you want some? Let's get some right now. He's doing catchphrases. So Ash was broken all the way to the point and realizes I'm not getting out of here. So it's just, all right, if this is what we're doing, let's do it. It's a really fun way to transition. Who was kind of just a background character for a vast portion of the first movie. Yeah. Into this really strange comedic backdoor leading man. Yes. I think that's probably the thing that is most, uh, prevalent in the movie just in general like the backdoorness of the abilities that like <laughs> i shouldn't be as i don't know how to put this correctly but i shouldn't be as hyped or as interested at, like my interest in ash was like almost non-existent in the first movie it only happens um you know around like the 45 minute mark when things actually start to happen then you have to, like, the audience automatically assigns themselves to Ash. This time, the charisma really shines through, and that's what... And, and again, even when other characters show up, he still has that great, like, machismo? I don't know if that's the word for it, but, like, there is just that sort of, like... <laughs> there is this sort of... <laughs> and it's funny, because, like, Army of Darkness, which we'll talk about tomorrow, is just, like, cranked to a thousand. Like, the, this, like... Right. You sort of see the beginnings of this, but as soon as he fucking, it's like, as soon as he saws his hand, it's weird. It's like sawing Ash sawing his hand off is almost like this moment of this is like the last vestige of like the really weenie Ash that everyone saw in the first movie. And now that's like the version of him that's becoming proactive rather than reactive is like, I'm going to saw my hand off. This woman's going to help me achieve this awesomeness with a handsaw with a fucking chainsaw hand. And that's like that's the new character that we get for the rest of the movie, which is fucking great. Like, that's the thing that I think is most entertaining beyond anything else is that like that shift in Ash is what makes Evil Dead 2 work past what I would say is a lot for mostly is just like sort of a one hander for a long time. <laughs> Pun intended. 
Um, <laughs> well played for a long time. Because to be honest with you, like everything involving the historian's daughter and yeah, the hillbilly, I think their boyfriend and girlfriend. I honestly, the first time again, I fully forgot they were in the movie, and I swear to God, the first time they appear on screen, I'm like brother and sister. Nope, never mind. I'm wrong. Forget it. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's. I think that's the the fun thing about this one is you start with Bruce and you get to redo your stuff you wanted to from part one. Mm-hmm. You're setting up this new tone and flavor. What's really funny is when they bring in the other group, it is this it becomes this really strange movie where the first one was a group of friends all going to do this thing, right? Fuck. This one <laughs> it feels like Bruce and the dead or Ash and the Deadites, right? Are in one movie. Yeah. And the other characters are still people who are have not been broken down, right? Had their Pixar lamp moment. Right. And they're still like they haven't been baptized in the blood yet. Right. So they all still are sitting there somehow assuming they're in the real world where ash in the second half of this movie it's him and the deadites are in in an evil dead movie and the other characters still think there's like a way out right so it's totally it's almost like a roger rabbit thing where the archaeologist's daughter becomes bob hoskins in a weird way (laughs) right and then there's just roger rabbit and the judge fighting it out in the background right because there's that scene that just really illustrated that to me which is where we need those pages from the basement. Cool. Right. And he just goes down on his own, whips the fucking pages up to her to do narrative stuff. And now he's just fighting mama in the basement, right? The, yeah. the blood soaked basement. They're just having a throwdown. And you're like, that's, that's the thing, right? That's the Toontown part, right? They're trying to dunk each other in the vat of ooze while she's upstairs reading pages, right? And getting right. stabbed or whatever. But it's right. like, that's, there he's in a completely different place right and if his mental state wasn't enough once he starts chain putting chainsaws on his hand and shit yeah you just know it's like he's he is now officially part of that world right and they even illustrate that in the book of the dead yes when we see the very strange foreshadowed part right that there was a chosen one Mm -hmm. who fell from the sky and defeated this evil all those years ago and it's this weird little drop in, right? That, you know, if you know what's coming, it's, yeah. oh, look at that. But it's actually a really weird thing that they added in the middle of this movie. And it's strange to think that they wanted this movie to end in Army of Darkness. Like, that's one of those weird things yeah. that happened in movie history that I've n- I'll never suss out. But it it reaffirms this, this character direction, right? Yeah. And it gives them carte blanche to just really fucking go for it in a way you can't yeah i think it's fascinating that yeah like i mean the history of these of this like series of movies is because like army of darkness was the sequel that was what was supposed to follow up like literally that was sam raimi's next pitch is like yeah i don't know ash goes through a time portal and ends up having to kill deadites in like 1300 ad and everyone's like (laughs) actually i was reading online apparently someone put an ad uh it might have been the publicist yeah it was his publicist actually went as far as putting an ad out in 1884 that said evil dead to evil dead and the army of darkness which of course never happened universal and 20th century fox actually passed on it so then like they had to re but then they had like they had promoted this movie that eventually happened but wasn't going to happen and definitely wasn't going to address an evil dead too so it's awesome though that 
this is the movie that leads you there. So Sam Raimi knew how he needed to get there. And he knew the kind of movie he already wanted to make in regards to that. So it makes actually total sense, given what we know about Army of Darkness and how that movie is, that Evil Dead 2 sort of starts to take a left turn into slapstick comedy, doing some of that stuff with a with like a horror tinge, because this is where Sam Raimi eventually wanted to land. What I like about the new people that get introduced, like Linda, or not Linda, sorry, uh, like Annie and Jake and those guys, is that, and Bobby Joe, of course. Bobby Joe! Bobby Joe! What I like about that, though, and you said it best, like, it does feel like they're in different movies, but what mm-hmm. I think is happening is actually, Ash is in an Evil Dead movie, but Annie, Jake, and Bobby Joe are actually viewers of an Evil Dead movie who just so happen <laughs> to be transported into the film in the middle of it, and they're like, oh, I, sorry, I came to see like Prince Bobby of Tides. Bobby Joe That's just had her one hand in the popcorn, one hand in those overalls yeah. in the dark. The next thing you know, they're like, what the hell? It's sort of like, for those of you who, uh, for those of you who uh, grew up in the early 2000s, sort of like that uh, music video for movies by Alien Ant Farm. Like, they get thrown into the movie. Wow. Yeah, that's a deep cut. You're welcome, friends. Wow. You're welcome. Yeah. But cool. that's Now we're on the record as Alien Ant Farm, guys. No. <laughs> but that's, like, kind of what it is, though. It's like, it's like they get dropped in the middle of it, and they're like, wait. Oh, so for them, it's an actual horror movie. They're in, they're like literally intervening in the movie that we were watching, which is almost like it's nearly a comedy. And then the new people that get introduced immediately turn it back into a horror movie, which I think is the thing that's most fascinating about the way it's written and about introducing these characters to Ash so late in the game. Because, mm-hmm. you know, how many times have we watched movies? How many times have we talked about like writing theory, so to speak, where introducing a character so late in a fucking story is just like, why, why would you ever do that? It's like, you're just like, yeah. I'm like, are you doing this to like fix something that you fucked up earlier? And you yeah. totally would. But in this movie, what it is is about redirecting everything back to a horror movie so that everyone is prepared for army of darkness. Cause that is in my opinion, not a horror movie. It become, and we'll get to that tomorrow, but either way, like, that is what I like the most is that we are essentially these three people that fucking land in the middle of Ash's nightmare and we get to experience yeah, well, it firsthand. They somewhat show that too by Ash being actually connected to the evil dead. Yes. Cause it's not a big part of part one and it disappears by part two for the most part, or I mean army of darkness for the most part. Right. Um, but what's really cool is there's that scene when Ash is like aware deadite. He yeah. turns back in, and everyone's like, ah. And every Deadite we've seen gets fucking murdered, right? They get chopped right. up, and they're done. They melt demon hands. Whatever their fate is, it's almost never good, right? Chainsawed in a vice. Um, so Ash comes back in. He essentially kills the overall guy, right? Dale, yes. whatever his name is. I can't fucking remember. So he Jake. kills that guy. I believe it's Jake. Yeah. Um, his hand is there. The knife's there. Or no, she fucking murders him. Because Ash is assaulted. Annie him. accidentally kills Jake thinking that she's a, thinking that he's Ash. Yeah. So Ash comes in and he's throwing uh, Annie about the room, right? He's a full deadite now. Yeah. They give us this link back to the iconic Ash and Linda scene from part one, right? The actual an actual looking glass, right? To reinforce this multiverse wonderland thing. 
he sees that looking glass and he's able to revert back to uh heroic ash from the start of this movie right right and then that scene's really funny because now linda's like we're still in this movie or uh you know what's her name still in this movie and she tries to hit him with the axe he's like i'm all right and he rests against the wall she fucking tries to hit him again he's like god damn it and it's just it's a really good beat but again he he is this man shifting between realities yeah and it it's this really it's it's a very clever way to play this out because to your point right if you're introducing characters really late into a film it always feels it's like a Chekhov's gun right yes why is this person here like they they have to serve some kind of a big purpose right and i think you could argue in evil dead 2 they are literally just filler like the characters in evil dead 2 that aren't ash serve absolutely no purpose everything that happens or that needs to happen to get us to army of darkness could have also been done by the tape player here's the incantation you need to defeat them blah 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 right that could have happened, right? But so I wonder why he needed to bring them in, and I think maybe it's to establish this the lostness of Ash. Well, I mean, I think it's even going back. I mean, I would say the lostness of Ash is almost established towards the beginning like when he's look like again, like talking about the mirror. The like when he's talking to himself in the mirror and the hit the mirror self literally jumps is like are you fucking serious? You just like cut up your girlfriend. You think you're okay? What is wrong with you? Like <laughs> that, that line from Ash is amazing, right? He reaches out and grabs himself and he's, you know, everything's not okay. You just cut your girlfriend up with a chainsaw. Does that seem- yeah. And it is kind of the, that's, that's the precipitating moment to him just realizing like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Like I'm a cartoon. This whole now. thing's not right. Yeah. Like I have fucking howled watching that scene simply because yeah, he's like, actually I haven't pulled up. It's like, I wrote it down. The scene is, I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't think so. We just cut up our girlfriend with a chainsaw. Does that sound fine? Like, that's <laughs> the kind of shit that you're like, huh. And again, it's like what shakes you loose out of backed into being a horror movie. And it's like the whole movie is like this. That scene is, to me, like the microcosm of the movie, which is like, it's fine. It's fine. It's just a comedy. And it's like, you fucking serious? Yeah. There's dead people it's- walking around. It's very Joss Whedon, right? Like, you can tell the way he started doing his sci-fi and all that mm-hmm. is very much how Raimi was doing these this horror series, right? Which is, he did the first one and made a true scary film, right? And you can tell it has a little tongue-in-cheek. This one, he expands the style, and through the style, he finds these moments for laughs. Again, I think there was, like, a scene when Ash is fighting through the house, and he decides he's going to sit down in a chair, and even the chair breaks, right? The chair just breaks under him when he wants to sit for, like, a moment. And I was like, this is getting so fucking Looney Tunes. Like, why does that chair need to break? Right. But then it reminds me that it needs to separate him out from humanity, right? I think even the fact that right. his hand is the one that stabs Annie in the back to try to prevent her from stopping this nightmare is an interesting visual cue, right? Everything he goes through is reminding us. It's like, uh, you know, the anti-space jam. You don't get to come back and suck at baseball at the end of the movie. Like, it's over for you. You're stuck here forever. If Michael Jordan had just ended with those people, 
right? If it was just Michael and Bugs and Daffy and, you know, Tweety Birds kissing him, he would have gotten a chainsaw hand too and murdered all of the Looney Tunes we love, right? That's wow. what Evil Dead is in a way. Very different Space Jam. Yeah, because that's the thing, right? There, There's no real horror for Ash anymore. We've already seen this whole movie. If it's just him there, I, I kept thinking the same thing as you. Like, why is he even trying to survive? This is all theater of the mind. This is you will never be comfortable again. You will never have a second again where you do not have the question of what is coming at me next. And it's really a smart move. Because if you just redo and rehash the gore and the horror of the first one, it will wear off. So this one says we'll give you way more blood, right? Literal truckfuls of blood. Yeah. And we're just going to every single scene is going to show Ash not being able to rest. A dish, you know, the mirror, every, the, yeah. you know, the stuffed animal who's already dead is still a threat. Yeah. Um, in this one, we get the weird tree scene. Even the trees have faces now. Yeah. Everything becomes anthropomorphized to let you know he will never again rest. Yeah. Right. That's a good way. To and that it, is rest. a psychological horror. Yeah. Well, because we still see the normal cast going through the normal horrors. Right. Ah, oh, my girlfriend who is way hotter than me and I should never have hooked up with. Right. That's probably like a Black Widow scenario we jumped in on. Like she was probably going to like, you know, he's probably take a, his money he's probably the enough. son of a rich man. She's just bleeding him dry. Yeah. He was going to become a prom dress if they didn't get sucked into this cabin universe. But like, so that's a horror scene. Right. My girlfriend's been kidnapped. Um. <laughs> Her mom singing the lullaby to her is a fantastic horror beat. This innocent little woman who you're like, she could crawl right out from that basement, but she doesn't. And she just sings a song, right? The song she sang to is her baby. And she has to confront, that's not my mom here. So the other characters have truly horrifying beats. Ashes isn't. So it becomes this accumulation of what seem like gags, but it's really just this, just this little scratching your mind so that you're all you, you feel almost like a junkie yeah. right like when you're watching ash it's almost like watching a junkie go through withdrawals mm -hmm. i mean it is I think the that's... thing he's withdrawing from is normal reality yeah i think that's the thing that's most uh, the rest line is probably the best way to put this because this movie is to me like it is very exhausting in a lot of ways like there's a lot of aspects Frantic. of this movie that you're just like oh my like Honestly, by the probably like by the end of the first minute of the like the plate smashing thing is always the thing I come back to is I'm like, I can't believe I'm still washing watching Bruce Campbell smash plates over his head like this should not be working still. And yet I'm still like fully engaged because it's relentless like this movie yeah. is relentless and particularly ash's journey through this movie is the thing that is the most relentless of all and it is fascinating when these people show up because his manic then is actually counterbalancing You're like oh he's actually not okay like there's a lot of shit going on here that's not great and that i think yeah. is the more entertaining aspect of that is other people reacting to ash is how we should be reacting to Ash. And I think that's what I like is that, again, we're being regrounded by these characters that are coming in in the middle and be like, what the fuck's going on over here? Because they yeah, get right. to be the audience for us. And we're like, oh, finally, someone's addressing the fact that that <laughs> fucking giant deer head laughed for like 10 minutes. It's weird. Yeah. Well, also, we see Ash when he goes deadite. That should be his moment of relief. Now yeah. he is this undead berserker. 
They even pull him back from fucking that. He literally cannot catch a fucking break. And one of the more telling scenes, right, is when the, the evil is given flesh. Yeah. And that that little, like, Freddy Krueger fetus face pushes Ugh. through the door. Ash just, ah, in his hair. He gets, like, a, a rogue streak. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, no shit. This is stressful as fuck. It's horrible, right? And then yeah. the girl's, like, reading as she's dying. Uh, by the end of the film, everyone is dead. They totally cleaned house. Everyone Actually, is dead. And helpless Ash just gets pulled back into a portal. That actually, to me, it's funny. I was watching it, and my wife came down in the middle of it, and she's like, what are you watching? I'm like, Evil Dead 2. And she had never seen the ending of the movie. And she watched it, and she goes, wow. And it's funny we're talking about this because I thought about it then. I was like, that might be the most relieving part of Ash's entire journey, is that finally, oh, finally, some relief. I get pulled back into God knows where, but I don't have to fucking fight anybody right now. Like, that is oh, the see, crazy I disagree. Thing. Oh really? I think that's, I think that's the least stressful thing that happens to him. <laughs> well, see, I would imagine that Ash, with every plate, with every battle, he's just like, please fucking kill me, because it's one of those weird things where the Deadites just whoop the shit out of everyone, but for some reason, like Ash is throwing knuckles with like you know the big bloated mama, yeah, like she's just whooping ass. But when Ash comes over, they're actually like going rounds, like really throwing punches, right? And you're like, oh, that's funny. Ash is here. But you're like, why? Oh, because they cannot kill him. He must suffer and be miserable as fuck. And it's it's the great image, too, because they end at the end and everyone's like, you know, let's burn this whatever. And he's like, oh, thank God, please fucking kill me. But no, he reacts without thinking, shoots a fucking deadite, right? And next thing you know, everyone's chanting his name and he's just... They're go, you know, hail, hail. I think it's actually Sam Raimi plays like the town, the townie, the night townie is like, hail, he who fell from the Really? Hail. That's him? I think that's Sam Raimi who starts the chant. Fuck, and then Bruce Campbell as Ash just going, no, no. So what was this heroic image in the book of the dead, right? <laughs> Which why is Ash in the book of the dead, right? That should tell you another little secret. Uh, he just screams in horror, and it's his very Twilight Zone entrance, which is like, I did everything. I fought hard. I, I banished the evil. They, in this movie, they really say is essentially not his fault at all, right? Except for that you shouldn't have been trying to fuck in a cabin you didn't pay for. You know, do a little Yelp reviewing on, whatever. Yeah, come on. Get but on, it is just out, this man who's like, Airbnb, man. yeah, now I'm stuck in a time with uh, no... But no running, wa no running water. Yeah, no Chipotle's, no Starbucks. I'm just trying to say all the things that people make no, fun of me when they no say I have a Prius. All the things. I make fun of. Yeah, like what are you gonna do? You know, oh, I guess I'm not going to a hospital to get this stump looked at. Like, <laughs> I'm here. This is it now. Now I just live in a dusty, shittier place, uh, and I'm just gonna keep fighting these fucking people forever. And there is a, a classic Twilight Zone-ness to that ending. Because, again, how they went from let's time travel back to this ancient medieval time is such a wild leap of logic, right? Yes. It was kind of funny. I was thinking about this, too, because my wife was, uh, you know, we, we just finished Lovecraft Country. Right. And she's like, I don't know how people come up with those monsters and blah, blah, blah. Like, the monsters are pretty easy, I think, right? Oh, yeah. 
it's pretty easy to find that image. What is really hard is to sell the emotions yes. of those characters Absolutely. as they're being attacked by, you know, fucking pussy dick monsters. That's what is what separates really good stuff from that. 100%. And the strangest thing is that Sam Raimi went so hard on style that now we've seen his style has infected filmmakers beyond him everywhere. You can see that Sam Raimi style has infused everywhere, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Um, way more influential than he gets credit for. And we do what on the surface looks like a Looney Tune parody of Evil Dead. But I think that when you really hone in, he finds those moments that separate, you know, this movie from there is a whole genre of not great horror comedies right? right why are evil dead and Shaun of the dead and things like that much better tucker and dale versus evil a couple of them is because they find those fucking moments i think that's always the separator with horror and it's infinitely more important to me in a horror comedy right and i i think it's actually kind of the overlooked thing is i always remember it as the looney tune movie until you get to army of darkness mm -hmm. but there's a lot of really good psychological horror, and there's some pretty solid human wreckage moments. Yes. I mean, I think that's all you can ask from this kind of movie is someone who – it's interesting. It, Sam Raimi being familiar with his own material well enough to know how to walk a tightrope that I think in the hands of anybody else who didn't make the first one – would have just been it would have just fallen by the wayside we would have never gotten army of darkness we would have never gotten anything like that but because someone understands what they're trying to do and understands that first and foremost what they're trying to make is just a great movie you can blend these genres in a way that isn't going to cause a big kerfuffle because like i always i personally think like comedy comedy and horror are relatively similar genres they hold a lot of the and same also i hate that people aspects. just call them genres right like right. every movie should be dramatic and have some comedy and right. be horrifying and so like i hate that that's like every a, movie should that's have not the same every every movie well i mean we're sitting here doing all horror movies in one month so we're guilty of it too <laughs> but we're part of the problem man part of the we're problem. stuck in the cabin <laughs> but i mean to me it takes a very specific accent to make a movie like this and if you don't understand what you're trying to accomplish which is not necessarily get to army of darkness but um get a movie out of this that is uniquely terrifying and also making people laugh i mean i don't know like right. you know i i I usually my reaction when I'm scared is laughing a lot. So I think that's the thing that I like the most. Is this movie is like a serial killer thing. That's weird. Well, you know, I'm, I'm weird. mine is I just start throwing punches into the darkness well, and maybe a couple of roundhouse kicks, you know? Yeah, that's been clearly style. very successful for you. So, you know, it's fine. I mean, I mean I'm still here. I'm still fine. I mean, look, or, or I'm the kind I? of guy. Or am who I gets... in the cabin? Are you my Linda for real? Was the last time I'm definitely your Linda. Last time I was in last time I was at a haunted house, I got yelled at by the staff for like laughing at things. So, you know, that's one of those things. But Strange. that's what's so great about Evil Dead 2 right. is that it's allowing you to laugh and then almost immediately pulls the rug out from under you like, "Hey, by the way, this is still a horror movie right. and here's something to scare well, the fucking shit out of you." I think the genius of what he accomplished before we get out of here is to me, when I think of Evil Dead, I think of Evil Dead in one and two as two different movies, right? There's yes. like the kind of comedy one and the real horror one. Mm -hmm. 
What is funny on a rewatch is how much they are conjoined to me, right? Very much like Evil Dead 2 is the kind of single man retelling into the new retelling. The two movies are spun, right? The chaotic energy of Evil Dead 2, I have imprinted on my mind to make Evil Dead 1 more than it was. Right. I think it's more frenetic. I think it has more funny beats. It has more style this and that right in the same way that because i saw evil dead one and it's you know a great low budget punk rock horror movie i have taken some of those things that i found scarier in part one and transfused that horror onto scenes that are a little bigger and stylized um and play to a different effect in evil dead 2 right and it's such a brilliant way to do a sequel which is they both are so different and seemingly disparate in ways but yet they really mold into one really cool experience, right? They 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 borrow and lend energy betwixt each other in a really incredible way. And that is that is absolute brilliance, right? What he does at the start of Evil Dead 2 is here's you the the fan, right? You love Evil Dead so much, you want to do that again. This is what it looks like. This is how silly that thought is, right? This cartoonish psychological assault, right? That's a really clever way to do this movie. And then he just blows the doors out, and we get Army of Darkness, which is its own, again, uniquely wild and different thing. And I think that's the legacy of why Evil Dead stands out and became more a cult classic than almost any other of the horror franchises of its time is because by the time you're on Friday the 13th part four, you're like, I've seen Jason do the Jason thing. I pretty much know how these go. Evil Dead 2 will just fucking throw it all out right. and reinvent. And that that ability to not be beholden to an audience uh, and just really do what you want and put your love and passion up there is fucking wild, man. I can't believe he pulled it off sometimes. It's It's amazing. It's wonderful. We're lucky that we get to watch it. We really are. I fucking love Evil Dead 2. I hope you guys did too. I hope you'll join us tomorrow for Army of Darkness. I think you're going to assume that we'll be meaner to it than we are, but I fucking love Army of Darkness. Oh, man. This is my favorite one. I actually have yeah. an amazing... I have. Uh, we'll get to it. I love this movie. <laughs> I love Army of Darkness too. Um, that's it, guys. Again, a horror movie every single day this month. On our sojourn into the abyss. We're coming close to the end, man. I'm proud of us. I'm tired. I'm really kind of sad it's almost over, man. I'm going to get a little teary-eyed when we when we stop that uh, Evil Dead remake recording. Uh, but it's thanks to you guys that we were able to do this. A little more help, uh, we must always ask. Like Ash, we're stuck in the help asking for help business. Please take a second. Leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show, especially Apple Podcasts. It only takes but a minute. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Nerd Alchemist. Please take a moment. Find us on your social media. Shout us out. Retweet, shares, all that good stuff to let your friends know that you're having fun with us and that they should do the same. You can email us, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com, uh, with your idea. Maybe you want to already start filling the list up for next October. Whatever you guys want to hear us talk about, we want to watch. So get at us, uh, socials emails wherever and as always just thanks for all the time guys for the film alchemist i'm josh Green. i'm alex dandino